0: Bob McCowan and John Shannon on the program. It's the Bob McCowan podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Well, The Blue Jays have their home opener uh, tonight coming off a a rather successful road trip. Uh, You don't want to start the season with 10 games on the road, but the Blue Jays did just that. Now they get a chance to get some home games under their belt and they get their, you know, they open their, I was going to say new stadium, but the renovations to the stadium uh, tonight. People get a chance to see that Tomorrow night. We get the Toronto Raptors against the Chicago Bulls in the first playoff game of uh, the year. It's a win or you're out kind of scenario. And the head coach of the Toronto Raptors is talking about the possibility of not being the Raptors head coach next year. Or at least taking a step away and thinking about his future. Well, we know he's doing that yeah. and probably will do that after this game and whatever many others there are. Uh, it The uh, Raptors and Chicago Bulls tomorrow night, and uh, Doug Smith of the Toronto Star will join us. We'll talk about that and Nick Nurse's future after these messages. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money, anywhere and anytime. Plus get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options and get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. And we are back. McCowan Shannon with you, along with uh, our friend Doug Smith of the Toronto Star covers, of course, the Toronto Raptors and uh, it's game night tomorrow night. a hey, I I guess it's a big one. It's a playoff game of sorts. Yeah. So a- any kind of battle like that is uh, of special interest in the Chicago Bulls this time. I think it, given that it's a home game, you make the Raptors a small favorite in this, don't you? I would think so. I I, I think I saw lines that they're five point favorites with most
1: books, so that's about right. Home teams get you now they generally get a three point three or four point boost just from being at home,
2: and they're
1: very two very equal teams.
2: I was going to say the the reality of of the disappointment of the Raptors season could only be mirrored by the disappointment of the Chicago Bulls season, right, Doug? Yeah, they thought they'd be a lot better. Losing
1: ball for the season was a was a crushing blow because you know DeRozan, Levine, Busevich, Caruso, it's a pretty good squad. and Yeah, I would say as much as the Raptors have underachieved, I think the Bulls will be thinking the same thing about themselves.
0: Uh, To Toronto fans, obviously the matchup with DeRozan is a key and is going to be something people will look at a lot. Uh, It's been five years now since uh, DeRozan left the Toronto Raptors. They, of course, won a championship. Do you think DeMar has any special kind of animosity um, to the Raptors organization.
1: I think that's kind of gone now at the start it was he you know he has he had no time for Mazayi jury for the first 18 months or two years. Um, but you know, he loves the people. he loves the city. He loves the people in the organization. and I think any kind of bitterness is gone. I think he I mean he likes to beat them and, and he relishes a chance to play against them, but there's no extra juice there, I don't think anymore
2: how is uh, how do you think they how do you think the basketball team is playing the raptors how, where where do you put their play at this point
1: um they're playing as good as they can I think I just don't think for some reason this group just doesn't seem to work and I, I don't know why and I don't think there's any one reason why but you know they played very well since January and times and then they played two games like they played in Boston the end of last week and they just didn't compete well enough so it's an odd team, and, then, and because of that, you don't know what you're going to get night to night. Like, they could come out, and they could run the table Wednesday, Friday, and be in the playoffs and give Milwaukee a run. I don't think they can beat them. Or they could bomb out tomorrow night and be, the season's over by Thursday morning.
0: One of the other stories that's come up over the last little while is the future of the head coach, Nick Nurse. Do you think he's likely to go to, I don't know whether it's Houston, but do you think it's likely he will leave? I
1: do, and I don't know. Now I don't have that from any kind of inside knowledge, but I think Bob and John, you guys know it, it's it's almost time. He's been here 10 years, head coach for five, and at some point it's just time to move on. and it's nobody's fault and there's no there's just like a uh, a burnout, there's a, a tiredness. There's not a whole lot of challenge and maybe just they just need a different voice. I, I don't know I, I would say it's probably 70, 30 that he goes whether it's Houston or whether he takes a year off or whether some other team pops up. But I think there's a better-than-average chance that he's not going to be with the Raptors at training camp.
2: Hey, Doug, did, did his uh, Friday night pronouncement in Philadelphia catch the organization off guard? Oh, yeah.
1: They really did. Like they, they didn't see that coming at all. And to Nick's credit, he gave an honest answer to an honest question. And I'm, I will never <laughs> criticize an athlete or coach for doing that. But I think the organization <laughs> – and you guys know – Masai jury does not like drama, and that was drama, yeah. and I think it it, it, it totally <laughs> caught Bobby Bobby Webster, Masai jury, the players. It caught everybody by surprise that Friday night in Philly.
0: Well, let's let's talk about the reasons why the head coach may be thinking at least about uh, leaving. Do we assume that something has gone wrong with his relationship with Masai? I
1: don't. I don't think so. I just think. Maybe it's just run its course. Yeah. And maybe there are different challenges out there for everybody. Now that said, he's got a year left in his contract and the Raptors could play hardball and keep him to it. But I don't think that's a, to the benefit of anybody. Um, I um, The sense I get is that everybody is just at this point in this year right now, tired. And maybe if they take two or three weeks off and sit back and take a look at where they really are and where the franchise really is, They'll think that maybe, okay, maybe it's best to run it back again. Or maybe they'll say, okay, you know what? We had a great run. They've had a decade of great run. They've had five years of tremendous runs since Nick became the head coach, except for the Tampa year, which we will not we will not talk about in polite
2: company. Does it exist um, anymore? What's that? The Tampa year. Does it exist? No, I, I, I sort of
1: blocked <laughs> it I, I never got to Tampa, so it never happened for me anyway. <laughs> but, you know, you look at what the Raptors have done. They've been really, really good. they won a lot of games, a lot of playoff games, a championship. They've had a lot of fun, brought a lot of joy to a lot of
2: people in the city. And at some point, it just ends. Do you get a sense, though, when you talk about tired, um, usually it's the players growing tired of the coach. Um, Do do you get a sense of that at all, Doug? Is there a a disconnect between what Nick's trying to do and what the players are trying to do? I, I don't think so. I think the players... At the start, when Nick started this, this whole, uh, you
1: know, we're going to press every time, we're going to trap and press and scramble on defense because that's how we have to score. I think they they were excited by that. I think after two years of it, you get, you get it wears on you. It's hard to do, mm-hmm. and I think they're oh, they're all like, oh my goodness, this again, but it, it is the only way they can win, and the job is to win. Um, but I don't think I don't think the players have tuned him out at all. I, I do think they play hard most nights. Um, I, I, again, I think this has been such a bizarre year. Guys hurt, guys in different roles. They could get no traction for the first 50 games of the year. And it just wears you down mentally. And maybe you just need a break. And like I say, maybe in three weeks you realize, okay, it wasn't as bad as it seemed, and let's go again. Or maybe in three, three weeks you decide, you know what, if we're going to do it, let's do it now and not do it in a year or two years or 18 months from now.
0: It, I, I may be 100% wrong, but it seems to me that this comes up because Nick Nurse is frustrated and probably frustrated with the front office that they haven't made more changes, that they haven't given him the kind of team that he can win with. And, well, you know, the, the the only move that they made during the season, of course, was the Pertle deal, and it was a pretty good deal. I think we would all agree, but it hasn't really been enough. I don't think any of us believe it's enough. I think that the sense is that the core of this team has to and will change during this offseason. Do you think that's a factor for Nick?
1: I, I don't think so, because the only other things they could have done at the trade deadline was make the team worse. And that's not what a coach wants. I, the, the only other moves at the trade deadline were to, to divest themselves of Van Bleet, Trent, and an one or two of those guys. And that would have meant the last 30 games would have been playing for a lottery balls, mm-hmm. And that's not what a coach wants. So I don't see that as, as a... I don't see that as a factor. I think you know, like last year when they didn't really have a center, that was probably an issue. And that's why Nick decided to play the way he did. And it worked. They won 48 games. They, they were pretty good last year. And this year it didn't work. And because it, it didn't work early in the year when, you know, uh, Chua missed seven weeks. Ben Lee was out a bit. Uh, Scotty Barnes got off to a, a, a terrible start, really. Gary Trent was hurt a little bit. And it, it just sort of – they, they lurched from one bad thing to another. And when they finally got it settled after the deadline and around the 1st of February, they were pretty good. They, you know, they, they played hard. They won some games. They were right in there. And then, but then it kept us up to you again. Like it's, you know, Nick has to take some responsibility, I think, in the way he's used his players. Like we still don't know whether two or three guys on this team can play at the NBA level. And I think that's a bit of a coaching issue. And I think the front office realized
2: that, too. I think that's where you insert the name Malachi Flynn a few times. Malachi Flynn,
1: Delano Banton. uh, You know, Coloco sort of lurched between starting here, playing here, and going to the G League, which he should have. But I I don't. think Flynn and Banton are the ones. And I think the front office would like to know whether they're players. And I think the coach probably should have found out with a more consistent run for each of them. And he didn't. And they are where they are, 41 and 41. You know, this, that will, outside of the Tampa year, 41 and 41 is their worst record in a decade. Mm. And if Mazai is always talking about winning, well, they're not winning. And that's, that's the bottom, if that's his bottom line, then maybe something does have to change.
0: Uh, Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. The question becomes why aren't they (laughs) winning? Is it because, as we've talked about a lot, that this bench isn't strong enough, and the coach didn't want to use the bench very often. He used them as much as he had to, and not much more than that. Or are we talking about the starting five who's, who maybe aren't good enough and well, they I, need to shake that up?
1: I think the starting five is is quite good enough. I, I really do. I think it's a very it's one of the best in the Eastern Conference when, when it's healthy. I think what happened early in the year was they had to lurch between two guys being out. They come back, two more go out. They come back, another guy goes out. And they didn't handle that very well. And they didn't handle it well from player deployment. And the players who were playing didn't play very well. They were in different roles. They were being asked to do probably more than they were capable. And, and they didn't handle it very well. And that got them behind. And they
2: just don't play well from behind in standings or in games. Yeah. You know, one of the... When and I'm not. I'm not sure you can answer this, but um, you know, being in management and being a coach in many ways, in lots of sports, is the is the separation of church and state. Yeah. Um, where does Nick does does he get input into player acquisition? Does he get questioned? Does he get allowed into the inner sanctum of what Messiah and Bobby Webster do? Uh, to the point of.
1: Hey Nick, I think we're, we're we're thinking of this. Or Nick, we go, this is on the table. What do you think? But Bobby and Mazai make the call. Like right? right. Nick, he has, he has say, but he doesn't have a he doesn't have the determination. He can't determine what they do. They will tell him this is what we're looking at. What do you think? And he'll tell them, and then they'll go and do what they want to do. And I think John, that's like in every in any team, any sport, like, those guys, they get paid the big bucks in the big house to make the big decisions and they at some point it runs counter to what the coach wants. A coach got to win every game. <clears throat> Management might might want to say okay, well, we got to do this for next year or the year after. Right. And that's that's a conflict in every sport basically.
2: And, and what about the other way? Um you know, does is there a lot of lobbying from the front office to to nick on on the rotation?
1: No, no, they they let him run his team. <laughs> I, in, a, in a lot of ways, I think maybe for deniability. A plausible deniability. Okay, this is what you want to do. This didn't work. We'll see you later. Or yeah. you know, they, <laughs> they got to they gotta let him do what he does and see how it turns out. And I think Nick realizes that's my responsibility. And if it works, I'm going to get a three-year contract extension. If it doesn't work, I'll be coaching somewhere else in 18 months.
0: Well, here's a question. <laughs> what if Nick at the end of the year says, I want out of my last year. I want to go. Does the front office fight him on that notion, or are they happy to let Nick walk away?
1: I don't think you want somebody coaching your team who doesn't want to coach your team, right? I think if Nick says that, they will sit down with his agent and him and come to some agreement in money, and he will they will they will part ways, as the phrase phrasing goes these days, and he'll go look for other opportunities if he wants one. Maybe Nick is coached, He's coached a lot of basketball in the last five years. Maybe he wants to take six or eight months off. Maybe he does need to recharge his batteries a little bit. Maybe. Take September, October, November. And when the next guy gets fired in January, February, see if that sounds interesting.
0: Maybe, but, I- he's, but he has been linked to Houston. Oh, I yeah, don't know yeah. that, that's real or not. Well, it's very real. But let's be honest Houston is a very bad team, very bad. And they have been bad for some lengthy period of time. So it's not like Nick has this desire to leave Toronto because he feels there's no championship here, and maybe there's a championship there, because that no. doesn't seem likely.
1: No, but Houston Houston's going to have like sixty million dollars in cap space and a top three pick, and they're they're very intriguing young roster, and it's certainly not ready to win right now. But if you're a coach and you want to recharge your batteries, if you get the Scoot Henderson or Wembanana, and three veterans at, with your cap space. You got Jabari Young, you got uh, uh, Sengur, Semper that the Turkish kid they drafted. You, put, you got a pretty good team, and then maybe that re-energizes you as a coach. Maybe.
2: Yeah, uh, and and yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but it, at a certain point, it, and Nick has received a lot of credit uh, throughout the oh. NBA for his coaching, um, but it's still, you know, Houston's a big market. Houston's as big as Toronto, and yeah. there's lots of money in Houston, and yeah, it's lots, it's, and lots it's, of money it's, here too. I can't... Oh no, no, no! I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. But you know, you know, in many ways, grass is always greener, right? Absolutely, no question, and
1: that's that's the point. Like maybe you want to go to get a new challenge, or because you're tired of where you are, or you need a break, or you need a different circumstances, and you go there, and those circumstances suck. Oh man, then what happens? Then you get the third job. I, I don't know. That, that, then you're then you're you're toying with your future. But his okay. legacy, whatever happens, Nick Nurse is a great basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you won a championship. I'd say he won a lot of games. His teams played a very <laughs> unique and interesting style that the rest of the league has now copied because the Raptors were successful doing it. And I I think Houston will certainly make a call. But I think a lot of teams are gonna if Nick Nurse is on the market, every team in an opening is gonna call his guy and say let's talk. I'm sure of that.
0: Do you think that if the Raptors surprise us and have some success in the, this play in these two playing games and, or maybe the playoffs, and I know they'll play Milwaukee, but still, you never know. Um, do you think that may change nurse's mind?
1: I may change nurse's mind. It may change manager's mind about what needs to be changed. Maybe they'll see. Okay. If we do two players and run back the same staff, then we'll be okay. I think, that, I think that the two playing games, and if they get to the Bucs series, I think it's going to be a big factor in what Mazzai and Bobby do. I think they have in their mind now that they need this team just – there's something wrong. There's something missing. It's just – it can't get good enough in this group. So they got to make personnel changes. Whether those personnel changes involve the coach, if they have success in the next three weeks – it, it may change their mind a little bit. It may change Nick's mind a little bit. It may be okay. Hey, this is fun. This can work here. Let's let's go, and then who knows what happens in the summer?
0: Well, you have questions about players who are uh, potentially free agents. They you know they have to re- decide whether to resign um, uh, Van Vliet, Trent Junior, um, Pertle. yeah, Pertle. Although we think Pertle's an obvious one. But yeah. nonetheless, you know you have to. You know you're going to go up against other teams, I guess. Um, do do all these things kind of intertwine? In other words, decisions become made based on other decisions that are made. In other words, if the head coach isn't there anymore, maybe Van Vliet doesn't want to play here anymore.
1: Or if the head coach is not not here anymore, maybe the organization wants to go a different direction with a veteran point guard. Yeah, they're absolutely intertwined. But I don't know what's first. You know what I mean? Like right. I, and, and I think that's the, that's the interesting and the frustrating part for fans is that, okay, what has to be the first domino? Does Nick have to decide whether he wants to come back or does Fred have to decide if he wants to come back or does the organization decide if they want to have Fred and Gary Trent Jr. Back? And it, I don't know where it starts. And, but once it starts, then it does sort of snowball onto each other and in, in where this, team will look in September when it gets back together again.
2: Yeah. Well, And the, and the other aspect of it is, is it... You know, I look at Purdle, who, you know, loves playing in Toronto, loves the city, uh, but maybe he doesn't like what he sees in in the locker room. Maybe he doesn't like what he sees on the court. Or, yeah. or, I mean, Every, there's lots. Of, there's lots of elements to this. Lots of different sides to this story, isn't there?
1: Oh, there are. There, we, you know, we don't know because players, while they are honest, they are not totally honest. Right. We don't know if one guy says, "If that guy's here, I'm not coming back." And we don't know if that's out there. And I don't think it is. They seem to get along, but they don't seem to have a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be a very fun group to be around. And I think there's going to be a little bit of that. Like, if we're running back exactly the same group, I don't want to be here. And I, I haven't heard that yet. But when this thing ends, maybe you'll start hearing a little bit of that kind of stuff.
2: But to be the devil's advocate, isn't isn't that just not winning? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Potentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The chemistry is great when you're with <laughs> it. Yeah. Chemistry is great in every sport when you went, Oh, they got <laughs> such great chemistry. Well, they're also 50 <laughs> and 22 Of course they do. Yeah, yeah. it's nuts, right? That's what it is. all this talk of team chemistry and locker room leadership—it's all booha because if you win, everybody loves everybody, and when you—it's how—it's how, it's how quickly sniping comes when you start to lose. Right, that is telling to me. And I haven't—I well, haven't seen a lot of or heard even privately from players in conversation around locker rooms. I haven't heard a lot of sniping about this guy, about that guy, about this style of play, this call in this game. I haven't heard that yet. I think it's probably there because they are 41-41, and Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, they're not used to this. Uh, this is this is all new to them, this not being good. You know, they're winning 56, 58, 54 games every year. All of a sudden, you're not? Well... I think you get your chemistry goes in a toilet pretty quickly.
0: Well, remember it was you know several months ago, but we spent some considerable time talking about Ananobi and the fact that he it was reported he didn't want to be here, that he wanted to trade. Whether that's true or not, we don't know for sure. But even that that story, whatever it was is indicative of exactly what we're talking about. Maybe there's more going on. Maybe there's more negative going on than we are aware of. And it just came out as an Ananobi thing.
1: Well, I think Maybe absolutely, it... that's, that's absolutely possible. It, you could tell by guys' demeanors. They're just, not the, they're just not happy. Like Pascal Siakam is generally a very upbeat, positive, happy guy. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been that way in a while. Now, is that because they're 41 and 41, or is that because he doesn't like so-and-so? Doesn't like the coach. I we don't know, and until the change is made, the problem is no one's going to be really honest about it until after things happen, right? And then we find out, and that's too bad. But they're smart; they don't tell us stuff right now.
0: Do you do you have any sense that um, management, Messiah uh, in particular, is prepared to tear this team down and start no. over?
1: No, because it, it would take you three years to tear it down. And then it would take you five years to build it back up, and they don't have eight years of their lives left. They don't want They don't want to do that. They have no appetite for that at all. They will, they will make a major move if it's necessary. But even if they were to trade Siakam or let Van Vliet or trade Ananobi, there'd still be a pretty good core there. Mm-hmm. And I, it would take uh, it would take a lot of doing to get really, really bad. And they they have no appetite for that at all. At, not at all. And I don't blame them because. I'll tell you, anybody proponent of tanking, they should have to watch the Detroit Pistons this year because that was absolutely god awful.
2: The, the Detroit Pistons. Can, I, I was going to wait and hold off on this one. Yeah. You, can you can you dad. tell me what Dallas is doing? Oh man, isn't that something? What a mess that is.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I, they're going to do. Now they got to decide if they're going to give Kyrie Irving one hundred twenty million dollars for four years or whatever the number is, like some stupid big number. Does that keep Doncic happy? Are they, how much what is what is the league going to do to them for their shenanigans on the weekend cost them a traffic find them millions of dollars
2: well something's, something's got to happen and and Jason Kidd made it pretty clear it wasn't my decision no exactly <laughs> yeah, well I think
1: there's another job that's probably going to be open in about three weeks
2: yeah and if Nicks like if Nicks like Texas maybe he wants to go to Dallas instead well I just but <laughs> I mean does, it, does it, I mean I, I know we're talking more rapidly but I, I, this this one's been sticking in my cross since they actually traded for Kyrie Irving yeah it still I, ma- it made no sense then did it no my my opinion of Kyrie Irving hasn't
1: changed in a decade he will ruin whatever team he's on as has been the case in the end of end of Cleveland Boston Brooklyn Dallas this is not this is not new this is not new to anybody who's watched what he's done to the dynamic of a team everywhere he's been everywhere he's been and I, I think you get – you're asking for trouble, and you're going to get it when you obtain him. And it's been proven in every city he's gone to since he left the Cavs.
0: Is he just an unlikable
1: person? I think he's – I don't know him as a person. I can't say if he's a good guy to sit and have a beer with or talk to about yeah. things. But as a teammate, you're not going to find a lot of people who are, who are happy to be with him because right. everybody around him wanted to get out. And I think that's – and – organizations that get him have good teams that all of a sudden are not good teams. Right. There's, there's, there's the proof in the pudding to me.
0: Well, and his talent level should be such that he makes every team that much better.
1: Absolutely. he's never, but he
0: doesn't
1: Going back to his days with with LeBron in in Cleveland. Nobody that he's played with has become a better player. And he's a point guard. That's what they do. And he's never, ever done that. And I've said that since he got to cap got to Cleveland. He doesn't make anybody around him better. And that's what you know, he has unbelievable skills. He might be, he might be the most individually skilled player in the NBA. He gets where he wants to go and you can't stop him. But he's not going to make you better, he's not going to make your team better. His teams just don't work. And that's gotta be on him. Yeah. Do you think Don just wanted him? I think Don just wanted something, and I don't know that as it turns <clears throat> out, I'm gonna bet no.
2: Well, they were seven and seventeen. I think with with Kyrie in the lineup, seven and seventeen. The idea of Kyrie Irving is always
1: a good idea because he's such a tremendous player. The reality of Kyrie Irving is he's going to ruin your
0: team. Yeah. Um, we're halfway done. We got to take a quick break. Uh, stick around. We'll be back with Doug Smith after these messages. Spring is here,
3: and so are the long days, warm weather, and yard work. If you're anything like me, then you know how easy it is to get behind on your spring to-do list. But Factor's here to help. The number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals, delivered right to your door. Saving you time to get the things you need to do, done. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. We offer delicious, flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles like keto to calorie-smart vegan or veggie. With over 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. Head to factormeals.com bobcast50 and use code bobcast50. To get fifty percent off of your first box, that's code Bobcast50 at factormeals.com slash Bobcast50 to get fifty percent off of your first box.
0: Uh, we are back, McCowan and Shannon back with you, and Doug Smith of the Toronto Star is with us as uh, we all get set for the play-in game, the first play-in game.
2: Hey, Bob, uh, can, I ask, night. can I ask? Can I ask one John. question? Just uh, on nurse. Just one on nurse. Yeah, one more question on nurse. Okay. I might have more later but um so the big, my my biggest concern about Nick nurse isn't about the Raptors Doug my biggest concern with Nick nurse is if he leaves what happens to Canada's national basketball oh he's,
1: he's staying in Canada there's no he's staying with the national team regardless and I and that would made was made very clear to me by many basketball people in the last week the jobs are not mutually exclusive like he will coach Canada at the World Cup and they hope the Paris Olympics right regardless. And it also does not affect the relationship the relationship between Canada basketball and Maitley sports. So they are two separate things. He will be, he will be with Canada come hell or high water.
0: Okay. I feel better now. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting point. I mean, do you think that MLSE might step in if, if this confrontation becomes a reality and, you know, there's a suggestion that Nick actually will leave. You know that 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 wouldn't be a good necessarily a good situation corporately for uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, would it?
1: Um, well, if, if he wins with Canada, it will be because he's he was their guy and he helped, they helped put him in there. But Canada Basketball hired him on his coaching bona fides, not because he was a Raptors coach, right? And that's that continues to this day and will continue through his contract goes through the Olympics.
2: Yeah, there's no listen. There's no question. Even even way back when when I was around the organization, um, you know, they, they are the biggest benefactor of basketball in in this country, and and they they want, they want basketball Canada to succeed. Yeah. Um. I mean, look look at the relationship they had when Glenn Grunwald was running basketball Canada, former employee. So I I, I don't see that as a I don't see that as an issue. I was more concerned about, you know, if if Knicks not around can he still manage that portfolio that would be I, like I, my bigger question he
1: can and he really really wants to look I, one thing i know nick uh, know of nick very very well is that he relishes international basketball he would love to coach be a head coach in the olympics he's mm-hmm. been a head coach at a world cup with canada in 19 he's been an assistant coach in the olympics with great britain in 2012 and he loves the game he loves the passion he loves the intensity and he was not going to give that up whether he's coaching the Houston Rockets, the Rio Grande Vipers, or the Toronto Raptors.
2: Actually, you know the, uh, the the interesting thing is when you look at Nick's style of coaching, you can see the international influence in his philosophy every once in a while. You know, he, he he's he he loves a much more physical game than many coaches.
1: Yeah, physical, running up and down, a lot of yeah. driving kick, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of a lot of zaniness, pressing and trapping and stuff like that in it. And in a 40-minute in FIBA game, that works. In yeah. a 48-minute, 82-game regular <laughs> NBA season? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> not over a long time, not over a long period.
0: This, uh, I know this has sort of turned into the Nick Nurse show, and uh, uh, that was not our intention, and it shouldn't be our intention. But let's go the other direction. If you're Masayu Jiri and you know your head coach is interested, perhaps, in going somewhere else, you start looking around saying, okay, then who else? Is there an obvious choice to replace Nick Nurse?
1: There, there doesn't seem to be. And I think you know, I, I think the Raptors would be to an unemployed coach a very intriguing possibility. I don't know that you know, when when Mazai hired Nick, he hired him from Dwayne's staff, Dwayne Casey's staff. Right. I'm not sure that they see the two logical candidates would be Earl Watson or Adrian Griffin. I'm not entirely sure those are guys who are the next head coach of the Raptors. I don't I don't know that. I don't feel that. I don't think Mazai feels that either, but I don't know. Um, but it'll cast a wide net. one name you're gonna hear, and you've heard it what well, we've heard it in Houston, we've heard it in Detroit, is Ime Adoka, mm-hmm. coach right, Boston, right. who coached in Boston, who was was interviewed for the job that Nick got. So the logical conclusion would be he would be interviewed again. Mazai didn't hire him five years ago. Why would he hire him today? I don't know. Except that Ime has been a head coach in the NBA in that time period, oh, he'll be on that list. I'm sure you'll hear. I'm, I'm sure you'll hear about Earl Watson and, and Adrian Griffin a lot. Um, other than that, you know, Masai, he's he because he keeps things so close to the vest. He might. Would he go look at a guy like Sergio Scariolo, Bring back our friends from Spain mm-hmm. as a as a thing, as a as a new angle to this. I don't know. I, I'm sure I'd certainly give him an interview, certainly talk to him, see if he could knock my socks off in an interview situation. But I, I do think if the Raptor job is open, and again, we don't know that it will be. I think it might be. But if it if it is, it's going to be pretty attractive. And there's going to be a bunch of guys looking at it. I don't know. but One of the names I thought originally would have been Damon Sodomar. But he's now gone to college, and he's going to go, and he's quite happy there. Right. I thought, I thought he probably should have got a look if it gets open, but he's quite, he left Boston to go coach in Georgia Tech. So that's not a possibility.
2: Well, one of the, another name, and this is just pie in the sky for me, is a guy that was in the organization, left to go to college, and you never know is Jerry Stackhouse.
1: Stack's, I think Stackhouse get going to have a big line on that job in Detroit. You do. But yeah, he'd, he'd absolutely, well, Stack in Detroit would be, would, would one, it he on- had
2: success within this organization. Won a championship with the 905s. Yeah. You'd absolutely have to talk to him.
1: Um, you're going to—I'm sure you would hear the name Jama Malalela, who left here as I was on the front of the bench with the Golden State Warriors. But I'm not sure Jama is ready to be an NBA head coach. Stack might be. I certainly would. certainly would call him up and say, "Hey," or his agent would certainly call up and say, "Hey, you want to talk?" Yeah. But whether he's ready to leave Vanderbilt, I don't know whether he likes college as opposed to the pros, I don't know. But Stack would be great. I love Stack. Great quote, good guy. And the ad- wins, wins. He yeah. wins.
2: Doug, the, the, the Adoku one is an interesting one still um, for, for lots of reasons. The the stigma of why he yeah. was forced to leave Boston, does that have any effect or influence? Because there are other jobs that, I mean, he, let's face it, he was supposed to go to Brooklyn. Uh, right right and 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 they backed off uh, i i say this with a, a tremendous amount of respect mlse as a company is very very in tune w- in the human resources area of and really concerned about its employees and the optics of what goes on you can see it at every event they run now yeah um and and so you you have to wonder if that's a factor as well don't oh it be
1: absolutely be a factor, and there would have to be a lot of hard questions asked, and a lot of hard answers given, and a lot of public, they could not keep, they would have to be very transparent in what they were told. And I, I think that might be the breaking point. I don't know, I don't think it would work because, John, you're right, MLSC prides itself on its its inclusionary vision, It's, yeah. it's uh, the way it treats women in the organization, promotes them, um, makes them empowered and I think it would be a terribly hard sell. But they would certainly, if it got to an interview stage, and I think it would be, there would have to be a lot of very difficult questions asked, a lot of difficult answers given, and those answers would have to be given to the public. And I'm not sure that that works out at the end.
0: Look, there aren't many jobs as head coach at the NBA, and so uh, anyone that comes open is going to be desired by a significant number of people. Having said that, you know, would you look at this Toronto team, or this Raptor team, as being, you know, a positive decision for a head coach at this point in time?
1: Is oh, this, yeah. It, you would? Yeah, because even if you lose two of your three free agents, you still got a very good core. And you're not that far. You're a good team. You, you know, you may not be a championship team in two years, but you can certainly see it out and see getting there on the horizon. I think it'd be a very, it'd be far more attractive to me than, than Detroit. It'd be far more attractive to me than probably Houston. I think Charlotte will come open. It would be way more popular than Charlotte. I think Orlando may come open. It would be maybe tied with Orlando. I think Orlando's got a really good young group, Mm -hmm. but they're still years away. Um, all of the jobs that are probably going to be open. I think Toronto would be pretty much at the top of the list if the job is open.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I hope, and I'll be, I'm, I'm going to go on the record. I hope it's not. I mean, I, 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 I want Nick nurse. To, I mean, I, I like his approach. I like his, his candor. Um, I like that. He, he has, as we talked about with the national team, I mean, he's embraced living in our country. You know, he's, well, uh, he's a, he's a pseudo Canadian as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want him to go. I think he's a, I think he's a very good coach of the coaches
1: that we've talked about, the names we've kicked around. He's by far the best coach. Um, so I personally, I would like this somehow to work out. If that means player movement or philosophical changes in the way Nick coaches, maybe. But I certainly don't think he should be unemployed. And I certainly don't think there's going to be a necessarily a better guy to get if he goes. But as, but he, it, said that, as he said that night in Philly, maybe he's just got to sit back and figure out what he wants.
2: Yeah. But you understand grinds, Doug. I mean, you oh, 82, 82 game schedules and travel, and we all we all do. I mean, it's yeah. you're, you're supposed to be at your best at this time of year, and you are mentally and physically exhausted, worn out, and the intensity every night, the pressure, the stress, the the the
1: questions, the future. You know, an NBA head coach, an NHL head coach, a major league manager. It's a it's a hard, time consuming. Very stressful position, and at some point, just make get, just got to get to you, yeah. And maybe when you take three weeks and you sit back and go, You know what? It sucked a month ago, it doesn't suck now. I want to keep doing it.
0: Did, Could money be an issue here? No, he's got he's probably
1: one of the top five paid head coaches in the NBA about eight million a year. He's going to get that in his net contract wherever it is. So, and the Maple Leaf Sports obviously is more than willing to pay it because they did. I don't think money, I don't think money enters into it. And I also don't think, I I heard this advanced by other people, a theory after Nick in Philadelphia. I don't think he's using this to get an extension. Because that's that's not his, that's just not the way he operates. And I don't think that's the case. I think he generally was asked, where's your head at? And his his answer was, I'm tired. I'm going to think about it. I don't know where my head is at aside from wanting to win every game I coached this year.
2: Do you you think he regrets the the remarks? (laughs) Yes.
1: Mm. But I I think as soon as they came out, I think he was – again, I think he was honest, and I can never, ever – Criticize the guy for being honest with the media. Right. No, but media that, speak.
2: Media speak is media speak is important in sports, so that people don't pounce on things. Yeah,
1: I think I think the next morning he probably went. oh, why did I do that? Why didn't I just yeah. say, you yeah, know, my job is only to coach this team this year. I got to get to the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Why did I say that? And I'm sure, I'm sure the phone call he got that night from his eye would have said the same thing. What are you doing? So yeah, that's. But we haven't heard anything more about it. Like the first day. I met them in Charlotte the next day, and he was asked about it before the Sunday morning game, and he shut it down. And it didn't become a conversation topic with players. It was not mentioned at all in the two games in Charlotte, the two games in Boston, and the game at home the other night. The practices the last two days, so we haven't. It's not a thing anymore.
2: But it was a big thing for forty-eight hours. No question about it. Sure was. And it might be a big thing at eight o'clock on Thursday morning. <laughs> yes, it very well could be.
0: Well, let's talk about the. But we talk much about the game itself. What do the Raptors have to do to be successful on Wednesday night against Chicago?
1: They got to score, and that's always been their problem. And Chicago, I think, has been the number one rated defense since January first. They're really, really good, and they got two great on the ball defenders in Patrick Beverly and, and uh, Caruso, mm-hmm. and the Raptors, because I think the Raptors' uh, um, advantage is they're just way bigger. And I think they could use guys like Barnes, Ananobi, and Siakam to beat the Bulls up. Like, I think you can – if you want to say, okay, Van Vliet and uh, uh, Trent Jr. or Van Vliet and whoever are a saw off with Beverly and Caruso, well, your advantage if you're the Raptors is – you can go to Barnes, Siakam, Pirtle, and Anobi. And I don't think the Bulls have an answer for that size. So the so Raptors that,
0: have to play, have to be successful inside?
1: Yeah. Inside or on the wings. they have Their huge advantage is that OG and Barnes are way bigger than Levine and DeRozan.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Bigger
1: and stronger. And they have to win. They have to be able to score against those guys for the Raptors to win. Because the Raptors. Now, they're going to guard you pretty well. They're going to scheme pretty well. You know, Nick's going to Nick's had two days to figure out the bulls. And if one thing we know about Nick nurse, given time, he's going to figure out a way to stop another team. But I'm I got to wonder whether he can figure out a way the Raptors can score against a really good defense. That's been Toronto's problem since the season started.
2: And this is as healthy as the Raptors have been in two months. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's, or or yeah. all season or all season, pretty much all season. Like he's only going to play eight guys. Like, there are going to be seven or eight guys who play. Mm-hmm. The
1: five starters, Trent, uh, Boucher, and probably Achua. That's all. Eight guys are going to play the rest of the way. So those eight guys, they got to they gotta hold up, but I think they will because you now Van Vliet is way healthier at this point in this season than he's ever been going into the playoffs. Siakam played the most minutes of any player in the NBA per game, and you can't tell because he's always going. Mm-hmm. And always healthy. Barnes is healthy. Yeah, they're they're as good as they're as ready as they've ever been or ever could be going into you know two very important games to get in the playoffs.
0: Unless I'm wrong, they haven't played with Pirtle against Chicago since he came over. I don't think there's been a Chicago game, has there? No, I don't think
1: so. They played the Bulls uh, just after the break. Did so I see Demar All Star? So that would have been with Pirtle, but I don't nothing. No, they they really haven't. If they did it was one game, and it was you really can't get a, a read for that. But Pirtle should be able to guard Vucevic pretty well, you would think. Yeah, going to get out there and guard him at the three point line where Vucevic likes to work. And I think Pirtle is a pretty good. He's a very, very good passer and a very good uh, uh, roller to the rim inside. I think he he could yeah. have a big night. He could absolutely have a big night.
0: Yeah, he could be a key factor, right?
1: Yeah, he could be because. He gives them that scoring, that little jump hook, that little roll to that short roll to the rim that they've never ever had. And he's able to pass out of it too. And when he passes out of it, maybe you got guys in a corner now, Trent and Ananobi, who could make a three. And that's gonna be the huge that's gonna be the thing.
0: Well, maybe. Yeah.
2: Maybe, yeah, and, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And and Scotty Barnes, has he resurrected his 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 season by the way he's played the last 10 games?
1: He's he's really good. Like he's a really good player, but he still can't shoot. You look at his numbers. His, yeah. his shooting numbers have flatlined from last year. You do a shot chart. He is below NBA average at every spot on the, on the floor. He's got to become a better shooter. But he also become he has to become more assertive going to the basket, where they've tried to get him to do that for like two years now. Go and punish guys because he's like legit 6'8", 280. He's a big kid. And he, they got to get it through his head that he can't sit out there and pass the ball all the time. He's He's a great passer. Sees the floor unbelievably well, but he's got to use his skill on the block, getting in the paint, doing stuff, and punishing people down there. And he hasn't done that enough all year.
0: Well, you know, and that's interesting because we say, okay, you can look at him and say, well, he's only, you know, <laughs> he's only had two years. But he's had two years
1: yeah, to exactly, try to figure yeah.
0: his game out, and, and and he hasn't been able to. And he's been told every day this year, like, this
1: is not new. This We want Scotty to punish guys in the paint. It's not, yeah. it's not a new philosophy. They've been saying that at the end of last year. Exactly. And they're still saying it this year. I I, I have huge respect for Scotty Barnes' basketball skills. His IQ is there. He's a but his game has. I'm not sure you can say he's a better player today than he was at the end of last year. No, he was. He I isn't. Think. And for he a guy isn't. who was a rookie of the year, that's 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 an indictment. Yeah,
2: yeah but uh, sophomore jinxes occur. So, you well, know, right. They do. I mean, because you start to believe all the hype, you know, we would have, we would have beat Philly if Scotty hadn't got hurt. We, you know, look, look at all. And, I, and it's all the off court stuff too. Scotty became the face of this franchise this last summer like, in yeah, so many ways. Uh, things like that affect people. Yeah. The way I don't think, uh, I think things came so easily to Barnes
1: last year that he didn't understand how much work was involved to become a better NBA player. Mm. And I don't think he I know for a fact, because players, coaches, and people in the organization have told me this. He did not spend enough time last summer working on his game. And that's when players get better. And he's got to do that this summer. He has to do that this summer, or he becomes just another guy who's a pretty good player in the NBA. When you
0: know, he could I think that's up. what he I think that's what he is right now. I I think I think everybody has has overrated
2: Scotty's got a pretty performs. good upside.
0: But he's got a pretty good upside. Oh,
2: he—he
1: he, he could be an all-star. He could be a perennial all-star. Well, that's just that's, it. But if he was him.
0: great, but he hasn't been that guy.
1: No, and it's on him to learn how to become that.
0: And yeah.
1: that does he want be, that? Well, that's the question. That's the question. Is he willing to do the work to become that? And right, you hope the answer is yes, but you don't know because so far the answer has been no.
0: Yeah. You wouldn't trade him though, would you? <laughs> you
1: know what? I, the only reason I wouldn't trade him is his contract's so low, you can't get a lot back for him. Right. But yeah. I certainly, I would have put him in a Durant trade last year in the summer, and I said that and I wrote it. And yeah. I would certainly I would certainly not trade him because he has such great promise. I would certainly, if Mazzai going out this summer wants to do something and he's willing to trade anybody, Barnes is not untouchable at all, in my opinion.
0: And yeah, should, I agree with you. Nor should he be. Nor should he be.
2: Well, at forty-one and forty-one, nobody should be untouchable. A hundred percent, John. A hundred percent. And for a team that is used to winning and
1: has consistently won, right? It's not like forty-one and forty-one is overachieving. Forty-one and forty-one is a bad year for the Toronto yeah.
0: Raptors. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. Uh, give me your, give us your prediction first of all. Chicago tomorrow. I think
1: the Raptors will get them, and then, and then they'll have, probably, I think they'll have to go to Atlanta on Friday, and I think they can get Atlanta too because Atlanta's not that good. But i think I think tonight's a tough one, and I, or Wednesday night rather is a tough one because the Bulls are really good they they have a they have a possibility of being a very good team, but they're like the Raptors. they just sort of futz around and don't win. So I think the Raptors get them at home
0: uh interesting. Do you think you think Atlanta beats Miami?
1: No, I think Miami will win at home. I think Miami's tough. Miami's like a like a
0: exactly. Tough so they Miami go to Atlanta. Team.
1: Yeah, that Raptors have to go to the land on Sunday. See, you
2: can't, you don't understand the play in system, Bob. I've been telling, talking to you about I got it.
1: Years. I got it. I got it. I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, um, and then we, then we got to either come home from land on Saturday or go to Milwaukee for Sunday.
0: Right, exactly. Well, well at the least beer, there's a chance.
2: And the beer's cold. So in most, through
0: much of the season, it looked like there might not even be a chance to go to do any of that.
2: Oh, hey, they wanted
1: to, to be able to determine their own destiny. Well, here you got 48 hours to do it. Let's see what you're
0: made of. Bang. No, it's a crummy system, but nonetheless, it is what it is. You gotta live with it. Hey, uh, Dougie, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Let's hope it's not Nick Nurse's uh, swan song.
1: Nah, I I hope not. I really really hope not. But I hope it's a I want some good game and a lot of people have a lot of fun because it hasn't been a lot of fun year. And I think the players, the coaches, the fans deserve a little bit of fun at some point to end this. Good, game. No, good interesting
2: agree. thought. Yeah, having fun. What a thought. <laughs> go figure. eh
0: Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thank you, pal. We'll All see right, you boys. soon. All right, we'll talk to you down the road. Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. We'll be back in a moment. When was the last time everyone agreed on what's for dinner?
3: You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and someone is always craving froyo. Well, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Ordering is easy, open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless delivery setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BOBCAST23. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BOBCAST23. Don't forget, that's code BOBCAST23 for 25% off of your first order with DoorDash. Subject to
0: change, terms apply. We're back on our thanks to uh, Doug Smith for being with us. Uh, I mentioned earlier it's the Blue Jays uh, tonight against uh, who? Detroit Tigers, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. That's okay, but uh, <clears throat> by the time people are listening to this, the game will have started or maybe be even be over. But nonetheless, we are we are sitting here waiting for, with an- some anticipation about the first home game the the first home game in baseball t- tends to mean a lot or they try and make you feel it means a lot what does it mean to you uh 20 minute delay yeah you know i mean let's
2: face it it's uh, there's pomp and circumstance there'll be a great anthem there'll be player introductions uh but once all that stuff happens you know, first pitch and and we're you're, you're playing baseball. So uh, and and at this time of year, every time you turn the TV on, there's a home opener. Uh, and so you you have to wade through the the time to do that. and then then you get to the game. So it it's it's cool. I think that there's a little more anticipation, Bob, uh, here because of the uh, of uh, what Rogers has done to the uh, to the ballpark to make it right. more fan friendly, which is kind of exciting. Um, But, you know, we're going to have to take a wait-and-see attitude. I'm looking forward to going and seeing a game myself to be able to decide whether I like it or not, but I'm sure I will.
0: Uh, This is an interesting team. It's been changed quite a bit. Uh, I don't expect Bichette, Guerrero, uh, and others to continue to play the way they played. But this is a team that looks like it can win a lot of games offensively. Like their lineup top to bottom is pretty good.
2: Wasn't that supposed to be the story last year, though? Wasn't wasn't that supposed to be, you know, maybe the big big bats and everything was supposed to be hunky dory and uh, and and they they got off to a really slow start and kind of set
0: themselves up for
2: almost for failure until the second half of the season.
0: Well, no, and look, pitching is obviously a big part of baseball, and this team has been, I think most of the talk has been about pitching and about starting pitching uh, during the offseason. And we've kind of disregarded the moves that were made, especially in the outfield. But you've got players who can play in the outfield right now. And more importantly, you've got players who, like this is not a home run hitting team anymore, you know, all or nothing. Um, yeah, they've hit some home runs the last little while, but they they went like what three games without hitting a home run? Yeah, at the start of the season, three no, or four.
2: It was, it was it they went to their fourth game into the top of the ninth.
0: There you before, go.
2: Before Bichette hit that first home run,
0: and um, and and it looks like, you know, this team is trying to play for singles and trying to pl- hit the ball the opposite way. It looks like that's a there's a conscious effort to get on base. And there's and they're not stealing bases, but they're taking an extra base on a hit. They're they're a lot offensively. They're a lot more aggressive than they have been in the past. Well, ag- and I'm optimistic and, about that. Aggressive and
2: entertaining. When you look at the runs well, scored and the way things, the way things happen, at least in the in that that first ten game stint, they have been certainly for the most part
0: fun to watch. Blue Jays and the Tigers in the first series at home of this season. And uh, the Raptors tomorrow night against the Chicago Bulls. Um, we assume and hope you will enjoy the next couple of days. Uh, for John Shannon, this is Bob McCowan. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everyone.